Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It has been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games out there that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on. It can, be, it can lead to a serious case of not knowing what to play next. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It's to explore the games that my guests and I enjoy playing, to talk about big industry events, and to talk to the people that create these fantastic money pits. I mean, um, games. Anyway, recently we've had a long-standing guest from Cast Dice slash other shows on, uh, on a number of shows to talk about different subjects. But I recently put out a, a request. For, I asked people what they wanted for topics, and I actually got a weird request, at least I thought it was strange, from a number of people who wanted me to talk about what I've been doing hobby-wise. And it occurred to me that a long time ago, especially you know with the, the Ghost Army and with the LRDG and possibly the LRDG 2, I talked a lot about my hobby, and I guess I sort of put that off to the Cast Dice Facebook page. I just show pictures of what I'm working on, the projects. I like to do little army showcases when I'm done, or show my work in progress and get feedback from you guys. But I don't really talk about it on the podcast much. And as I just finished uh, a bolt-action army that I'd been working on, God, for years, um, or at least I finished the first big stage, so to speak, I thought it would be a good moment to take a break, put a pin in things, and to celebrate that, uh, talk about bolt action a little bit and what I've been painting, maybe some of the other things I've been painting for other games, but also to catch up and talk shop with, as I said, a guest who's been on several times. And if I'm going to be talking G.I. Joe and bolt action, there's literally only one human being that I can be talking to who I probably have the most in common with, and that's the one and only man, the myth, the legend himself, Peter West. Welcome back to Cast Dice. Hey, Brad. Great to be back again so soon, too. I'm glad to see I haven't worn out my welcome. Oh, brother. I am, I'm holding you to the miniatures of the Major Powers episode. We're doing that, um, although we may need to give it uh, you know, a couple weeks to breathe, uh, mainly so you don't choke me after, um, you know, talking to me for an hour at a stretch any given moment. Welcome back, man. Um, You are a man with a lot of hobby projects like me. Uh, And so I figured also if we if I was going to talk to anyone about cool little things you've been working on, you would be an excellent guest. Let's start with what are you working on right now, Pete? Um, Well, as as usual and as you referred to, my attention span can be a bit short, so I've got a couple of things on the go at the moment. Nice. Um, I'm, I've branched out into a couple of things. Um, I'm still very much playing Bolt Action, and we'll talk about some of those projects, mm-hmm. but I've branched out into a couple of things just for a bit of variety and also to you know expand my circle of local game players. So a yeah. couple of things on the go at the moment. Um I've just actually finished off a French army for the French and Indian War game Muskets and Tomahawks. Oh, cool! I just uh, got a game of that in last uh, two weeks ago. Now, who makes that? Uh, it's done by a French company called Studio Tomahawk. That's right. Um, but it's um, translated into English and uh, sold through the UK company. Uh, um, 
gonna it'll come back to me in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's this is version two of the game, and, and um, yeah, I played a game um, a couple of weeks ago, and it, it's they've done a really good job of updating it. So I've um, painted up a bunch of French line infantry and French Marines and a couple of um, Canadian local militia units. And nice. uh, yeah, it's fun to get out in the French wilderness. It is. Now that is, it's not a full army level game. It isn't skirmish, but it's not as large as we may think of army level games, right? It's somewhere in between or is it more skirmish? Yeah, it's slightly smaller than bolt action. So mm. um I think uh, if memory serves 400 is 400 points is a sort of standard game and I th- think I ran one, two, three, four, five, six squads of between 8 and 12 men. Oh wow. Um okay. And that's a that's as I say that's a reasonable reasonably sized game. You wouldn't yeah. go much larger than that because um, it is a it is a card driven game. There's a lot of effects in the game so um it's i don't think you'd want to go much more much larger than that uh, be a normal sort of weekend game absolutely excuse me it's coughing there um with with that uh, i know a couple of games that have been translated from other languages to english um there was a number of japanese uh strategic games tabletop games in the 80s that i tried to play translated in the 90s um and i know the batman game when it came over from spanish into english uh, suffered from uh, i believe the fans called it occasional spanglish issues um is does this have that issue um in that being translated it it's not always clear or have they done a really good job with this excuse me i'll cough while you answer that's all right um no look because it's version two i think they've um had a chance to correct some of their uh more egregious frenchlish um frenchlish nice if i can use that yes um so no it's really clear clean reading um no problem at all um so no no dramas with that and it is also version two is different because what they've done is they separated out the um French and Indian War rules from the core muskets and tomahawks rules. So mm. there's now a core rule book called muskets and tomahawks, and there's um, rules for uh, French and Indian War, which is called redcoats and tomahawks. Mm-hmm. And that's good um, because it now allows them to use the core rules for different periods. And they've just put out the Napoleonic version called uh, Shakos and Bayonets, mm-hmm. um, which I have, not surprisingly, pre-ordered mm-hmm. um, from the nice people at North Star. And that should be on its way to me uh, very shortly, and which is good. It's, it's um, as I say, a nice, clean set of rules. It's card-driven, but some really interesting mechanics and um, a lot of fun to play. So I'm looking forward to expanding it out to um, Napoleonic period. That's cool, man. Uh, again, it's just one of those things I am just woefully under-knowledgeable about, and I'm kind of afraid to scratch that itch. Because uh, you know, Lord knows that'll lead down some some dark, dark rabbit holes. Uh, and you know, I I need a ho- another whole period of uh, miniatures. Like I need another hole in my head. Um, yep. Speaking of Napoleonics, um, the author of Frostgrave, uh, Joseph McCullough, has come out, or is I should say, is developing a weird Napoleonic 
rule set. Um, have you been following this at all? I figured if anyone had, you had, <laughs> you would have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, unfortunately, I haven't put up pre-orders yet, but no. uh, I'm waiting with uh, my finger poised. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, if if there was anything that would get me into Napoleonics, undead Napoleonics, I'm like, oh, you bastards, why? Um, so so talk to us a little bit about this, please, because I know very little, and I'm trying to know as little as possible, because otherwise I'm going to buy it. Well, yeah, you're lucky. He's actually hasn't said a lot lately, other than the fact it's sort of weird war Napoleonics, and it'll be um, small scale skirmish. So it's not going to be like very large scale bat yeah. battles like some Napoleonic rules. But um, I think they've said later this year, like September, yeah. is, if memory serves me correct. So yeah, around uh, Halloween or just before, I think is the is the sweet spot yeah. for that game. Uh, and yeah. uh, God, the name's escaping me. Can you do you know off the top of your head? Oh, silver, silver yeah oh, yeah i don't i honestly don't remember uh, don't please don't yell at us internet um but yes <laughs> if you look up uh joseph mccullough's web uh sorry uh facebook page he talks about it on there it looks awesome and speaking of joseph mccullough of course this month uh slash in the next week or so uh if it's not out already it's hard to say when the release actually is under covid but Stargrave, the uh, science fiction version of the very popular, very uh, prolific game Frostgrave is coming out. Um, and my God, does this give me all sorts of warm, fuzzy, rogue trader, Star Wars feels off of it. Um, how good does this look? Oh, yeah. Another, I, I mean, I might as well just send this guy my pay packet. So right? <laughs> right? But no, it looks looks really good. I once again pre-ordered it. So mm -hmm, I uh, got in on the North Star uh, first lot. So supposedly they'll ship it to me on the nineteenth. And um, last weekend I went through all my minis collections. So I mm -hmm. pulled out all my old Mantic minis yes. and uh, a bunch of other Infinity and bits and bobs I've got mm -hmm. lying around. So I think I'm probably going to thinking about two crews one sort of hard sci-fi largely based around mantic and infinity and then probably one more pulp sci-fi based around some of the recent seven tv stuff yes yeah the seven tv stuff because i have the visitor uh cast so visitor from the tv show in the 80s v um and of course i have a technician i have you know hardened soldiers i'm wearing body armor i've got diana um my, you know, Michael, uh, just a bunch of different uh, John, the big, uh, the big boss, and you know some bits and pieces. I think plus a visitor a shuttle, uh, thanks to you, um, that I can use. And that was the very first thing I looked at. And then it was like, oh wait, sitting that in next to that in my case is all my Star Wars Legion models, and I've been painting, you know, uh, all the bounty hunters from Empire Strikes Back slash jawas slash weird droids that i was going to use as you know literally terrain uh for this plus a sand crawler and all these other things again thank you pete um perfect for this game and then you know that got me going oh but i could use this as an inquisitor retinue from warhammer Forty Thousand because those rules don't really exist in you know, kill team for example Oh, God. And yeah, it's gotten me turning a million different ways. And I just saw 
um, and I can't think of the name of the company, but there's Battlestar Galactica, like the classic 70s Battlestar Galactica models are about to come out from another company. And I'm just, God, I'm drowning in science fiction models. And I'm going, this is fantastic. All I need is 10 guys, you know, but yeah. Yeah. I think the company you think you have is Tangent. Or yes. Tangent Miniatures, I'm pretty sure. Or I something think that's similar it. to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, they look very nice. Um, I got out of the seven, the recent pop kick, seven TV pop Kickstarter, the sort of Ming the Merciless side of things. Mm, so I've got yes. a bunch of figures which will make good pirates and also good sort of uh, whatever the government forces are. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of looking around for Flash Gordon type minis um, to form my own crew with. Um, yeah. Seven TV does some, but there's a couple of other there companies are. that also. Mm-hmm. Um, do some very nice uh, pulp sci-fi 50 stuff that um, shouldn't have any trouble making a good crew. And you have a 3D printer, so you could, uh, I'm sure someone's made a War Rocket Ajax somewhere out there that you could make a wrecked version of or something. Oh. Yep, bombshell minis. <laughs> oh, done, sorted, easy. Um, <laughs> I like how you had that. You were like, yep, I'm ready for you, Brad, ready to go. Oh. Yeah. But yes, and for those wondering, there will be uh, Stargrave uh, content on the show. In fact, uh, Mr. McCullough and I have been talking uh, off off air uh, about him coming on again. He did come on to talk about a few of his games last year, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to get him on uh, in the next three to four three to four weeks. Hopefully. We'll see. Um, he's a very busy man, and scheduling between UK and uh, Australia can often be problematic as far as time zones, but he's very keen to come on, and I'm keen to have him on, and I'm also super keen to play this game. So, yeah, expect some more great content for that game. Coming your way soon. Um, but, Pete, I, I don't want to forget, um, because this was the thing that people wanted me to talk about today, and we will come back, um, circle back to what we've been talking about. But while we're talking pulpy stuff, um, I recently finished... My well, I guess I, I say it's my the first big stage, but technically, I guess it's my second stage of my GI Joe project for uh, Bolt Action. Now, of course, I'm talking about uh, 156 scale uh, GI Joe Army, and as I've talked about at length on this podcast uh, over the years, I am a massive GI Joe fan. In fact, it's probably because of GI Joe that I play tabletop games. Now, I was a fanatic for them as a kid. Um, I collected them religiously. Um, I weirdly didn't really watch the cartoon because um, I was living in Japan for a good chunk of that. But because I was on U.S. military bases a lot, I read the comic book, which I did have access to religiously as part of that. So um, I would sort of buy the toys and bulk when I was back in the States and then bring them back to uh, Japan. It was like my one big toy purchase um slash game books that you know like car wars you couldn't get on military bases and then the rest of it um anyway i'm 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 rattling i love gi joe and so a couple of years ago um i realized that there were some 3d print files available um first through well, I guess they're all on Thingiverse now, um, is where you would look now. I don't want to steer people in the direction of things that don't exist anymore. Um, but there are a huge number of uh, vehicles that you can print off. And I may have 
commissioned someone to paint or to 3D print in resin a massive pile of them over the years. And so I've been slowly painting up some of my favorite vehicles as a kid, but the idea was always to turn it into an army. And while I at first bought a bunch of Warlord Blitzkrieg Germans and then green stuffed um, bandanas over their faces to make simplistic Cobra Troopers, um, I eventually found, for example, Reptilian Overlord made Cobra Heads. Uh, and then they made Viper heads, which came with the Destro head, and they had a Cobra Commander head. And so then that replaced, uh, and Red Shadow heads, and then those replaced the heads on those models. And then, you know, as you go down the rabbit hole, you start to find other heads and other models that that fit as well. Um, and so eventually I've accumulated a very large Cobra army, and I wanted a G.I. Joe army. Now, the problem with the G.I. Joe army is that every single character is in a different uniform. Every single character looks different. Um, and so it's basically like painting an army of independent characters. Um, you know, how people talk about, oh, I'm going to paint 10 infantry and then I'm going to get to a treat and I'll paint a hero model. Well, this is an army entirely of hero models. Uh, and so I, I normalized it a little bit by... I really wanted to do a winter-themed army, and so I I found uh, a Warlord, or I got Warlord U.S. Airborne Plastics, because it looks like they're wearing big parkas if you paint the jackets white. Um, and then through a combination of using the, oh, I the name, I think it's Project Z, um, was the game. Warlord sold the sprues for a long time. And so I was able to get... A huge number of modern weapons, uh, AK-47s, M16s, that sort of thing, um, that worked brilliantly for this. And then by finding heads that matched the models that or the characters that I wanted, I was able to do head swaps onto these models. And then through cutting and changing of weapons and arms and everything else, uh, and then you know finding special backpacks in different places, I was able to recreate my favorite Joes. Um, plus a few others um, thrown in um, that match. Uh, I know that, for example, Footsore Miniatures North America does a wonderful pulp range. And so I have their um, some of their pulp heroes that look suspiciously like some of my favorite Joes um, that just are perfect one-offs. Um, so I guess in the long run of it, stage one was painting a bunch of the vehicles, which I did. Stage two was painting enough infantry so that I could field my army as a tank war army for um, 2020's Easter bolt action tank war event, um, which never happened. And I'm glad in a way that it didn't happen because I would have rushed the army. And because I had the, the lockdown uh, and the subsequent burnout uh, from going back to work, where I just worked on one model at a time, I've slowly dripped out this army. Uh, and now I'm to the point where I have four six-man squads, which doesn't sound like a lot. But again, if you're running in Tank Wars, it's three eight-man squads. Um, I have a, a commander, uh, General General Hawk, um, with a buddy, Breaker, the calm guy. Um, plus I have uh, a mortar team at the moment, uh, and I'm looking to add a couple more guys to each squad and then add a machine gun team 
add a sniper, add uh, a dog handling team because reasons, um, because I want to have Mutt and Junkyard and Law and Order and all of those wonderful characters. But yeah, I, I've I've finished enough to say it's playable, and I'm very excited to get it on the tabletop after literally years of working on this. Um, and it, it, people for a long time asked me, are you done with bolt action? Are you not playing anymore? No, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a bolt action army. And people kept saying, but I only see you working on your GI Joes. Yes, it is. It is a, G, a bolt action army. Um, and for those, and I have had a few discussions with people recently. Hi, Muddy. Um, who have been saying, you know, this is not, this isn't realistic. It's not authentic. It's not world war two. Um, if you're doing a counts as thing, it means that you're just cherry picking the best units that you want. It can be, you know, overly competitive. Well, let me just quietly say that if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know that I'm not just playing the maximum, you know, min maxing lists. I'm not taking the most efficient things. Um, and for this army, I'm literally running them as a standard U S list. Yes. Everyone's got M 16s. And what does that mean for assault rifle rules? Well, I'm just assuming that the fire and maneuver U.S. national rule, which means if you move, it's not a minus one to shoot, that accurately represents modern or more modern weapons. Um, Pete, I know I've just thrown a crudload of words out. Um, do you think that the U.S. list would roughly match what I'm trying to do, um, or would you go a different way? Well, uh, let me start by saying before we get into the details, I just wanted to say about your G.I. Joe Army, wow, it's um, really impressive. Uh, you have done a great job uh, of modding figures and painting those figures that you have. As you say, each one is individual, but I guess more importantly for those of us who love G.I. Joes, they're individual in a very specific way. They've got specific uniforms and yeah. a specific look about them, and you have done an outstanding job of capturing each one of those individual looks, even though you're painting a whole army. So Thanks, well done, man. sir. Um, if if I may quickly jump in there, first of all, thank you. Um, uh, uh, just did the best I could. Um, but I think one of the things, and... I know I just want to jump quietly or quickly into another tangent. I've had a bunch of people contact me recently asking me how I'm keeping my hobby going during and the podcast going during lockdown. So Melbourne had 19 weeks of brutal lockdown last year, and it was like really intense lockdown um, curfews at night. Um, couldn't be more than five kilometers from your house. Um, you, ha you could only be outside for like an hour a day for exercise. All the job, everyone's work was closed. Like it was really intense. Um, and you know, coming back to work after that was really intense as well. Um, but for me, I think this GI Joe project has been one of the big things that has kept me going, um, in that often if you start cranking through an army, like Pete, I know, you know, this feeling, if you're looking at a wall of infantry, the grind, right? If you're like, Oh God, I have to paint 40 infantry. Like uh, today I'm going to paint paint the pouches and tomorrow I'm going to put the helmet base color on then I'm going to wash it and maybe by the end of the week I can put a highlight on the edge of that helmet on 45 guys um, which is the struggle I'm looking at with my Italians at the moment but with the G.I. Joe project it's I can fire through one guy in like two or three days 
And it's that constant, cool, I accomplished something. Done. Next. Cool. And because each and every one of these characters, as you said, um, look different, and I have a connection with them because I own the toys and I read the comics, I can celebrate each and every model being done. Um, it's almost like just constantly reaching for that low fruit and getting that like easy hit of, yeah, baby, I finished one more. And this one, and I, and I loved it in the story when he did this. And I love, you know, I remember as a kid playing with this figure and she did that. Right. Um, and so I think that was an, if you're, if you're suffering from burnout um, and absolutely these days, it's very normal to whether you've been locked down or not. Um, there's just a lot of ugh in the world at the moment. If you're looking to get your hobby back, um, I highly recommend you reach out and you grab a few easy accomplished projects and you get, it really helps the confidence, right? Um, Pete, do you know what I'm talking about here? Yep, very much so. Um, I, I felt the same way and uh, I'm doing something similar. So I'm mixing up my army scale, not, well, not quite army scale, but large mm. scale games like bolt action and um, painting for muskets and tomahawks where I was doing loads of French line infantry um, with smaller um, groups for um, skirmish games. So I'll paint like a unit for bolt action and then I will paint a smaller group for um, an even smaller skirmish game. So, you know, um, I'm doing some miniatures for Spectre at the moment. So I'll paint nice. 12 uh, Japanese paratroopers, which is my current bolt action project. And then I will oh, paint hello. eight um, Spectre miniature guys. And then I'll go back and paint 12 paratroopers. And I mean, it slows down the rate at which I get my bolt action army done, but it gives me um it gives me variety and gives me a bit of an instant hit because i really only need to paint two groups of figures and then you have a a unit ready to play for something like specter yeah yeah man absolutely and it gives you and that's something you can play while you're turning around to work on you know more uh bolt action japanese paratroopers for yep. example uh, as long as you don't get fall too down, <laughs> fall too far down the rabbit hole of uh, painting for a specific game and then forego everything else. <clears throat> I've never done that with Marvel Crisis Protocol. <laughs> anyway, um, back to the Japanese. Uh, sorry, back to the um, GI Joe project for a second. Do you think that just generic U.S. rules would work for this? And I know you're biased because you're also a big G.I. Joe fan, but as a fan, do you think that's a reasonable thing to do? If you were, if you, if you wanted to ha play these things out on the tabletop, if you didn't want to come up with your own codex rules, um, if, if you were just trying to play straight out of a bolt action book, do you think that's a good fit? Yeah. Uh, the U.S. would work pretty well. I mean, there's no sort of fundamental reason why you can't cross fit. I think that the use of the U S fire and maneuvers, a reasonable representation of automatic rifles. So yeah, yeah um, it's in most of these things and the advice you get <laughs> all over the internet is, you know, do what's fun for you. Um, yeah. And as long as you're the person you're playing is happy with it, um, there's no reason why um, you shouldn't be able to use the U.S. list to do a, um, a G.I. Joe army. I mean, your obvious options are either the U.S. list or the German list, just because the Germans already have 
um, uh, portable anti-tank weapons and mm-hmm. assault rifles. Exactly. But, you know, by the same token, I don't know, there's something a bit hickey about using Germans for, for G.I. Joe. Yeah, so. exactly, right? <laughs> it's the real American hero. Like, it says it on the tin, like, using the, the traditional bad guy list, uh, quote-unquote, if you're, you know, the Germans, uh, that, that would be a little hinky, wouldn't it? And I mean, bolt action already goes into K-47 and the leap between K-47 and, you know, what what we're playing is very minor. So, exactly. yeah, I don't think there's a, any real fundamental conflicts and and I have no, I would have no problem um, playing someone using the U.S. rules for a G.I. Joe army. Yeah. Plus, the modern communication rules really does reflect like the elite nature of the the forces being able to outflank without a minus one. If you want to get into um, or, you know, being able to come on wherever uh, modern communications to, to come on with from reserve without a minus one. Uh, I think that fits. Plus, um, I run the APCs um, as my transports, those giant armored personnel character carriers that seconded as figure carriers for kids in the 80s um it was like the original or i guess the second gi joe carrying case was the giant truck that you put them all in and then wheel them around Uh, and i have two of those and the u.s has the capability of taking giant trucks with guns on the top which fits the apc perfectly and you know it's it's weird to say but it was literally that profile that made me go, oh, of course, this fits perfectly. Um, and no, I don't have any bars in my G.I. Joe army, but if I'm running them as paratroopers, I can take, you know, they're already veteran. I can take them with machine guns, um, which is what they do have. And yes, I am running uh, quite a few light machine guns in my force because who's not going to put roadblock, rock and roll, tunnel rat, in a G.I. Joe army. I mean, really, right? You gotta. If you're a G.I. Joe fan, you gotta. Um, so, yeah, super excited about that. Um, <clears throat> and I guess for part of that, it's it's recently been um, trying to fill out the other slots uh, to make a full army. For example, it was awesome to be able to pull out short fuse and make a mortar team. Um, but then you, you go into that weird, hmm, who would be with... Because the action figure short fuse is one guy with a mortar. Well, who would be on the rest of that team? And so uh, I'm trying to make, uh, you know, the grenade launcher trooper so he can be on that. Um, and then maybe sneak peek the the guy with the binoculars. I, you know, and there are, and before people start rolling their eyes, um, the G.I. Joe comic started out, it was... It was a commando comic. It was like one of the great U.S. commando comics. We didn't have the commando comics really um, that the Brits had uh, in the 80s. And so Larry Hama originally pitched a Nick Fury commando style comic to Marvel and they knocked it back. Um, what and, But then they turned back to him and said, look, we have this toy license. We would really like... Um, that style book but for the for these toys and initially larry's like yeah i don't know about that but then he said okay cool i'll do it and um yeah i'm glad he did because you know hundreds of issues of that comic later um all sorts of great scenarios have played out tons of new characters have come up and you know wonderful situations that are great to put on the tabletop 
Well, as much as I love my G.I. Joe project and as much as I plan on adding to it more over the next, you know, six to 12 months, I'm sure this will be one of those things that never ends. Uh, Pete, I'm not the only one that's interested in putting G.I. Joe on the tabletop. Uh, talk to us a little bit about your journey, because I know that you're also passionate about this. Uh, yes, um, passionate, crazy, <laughs> unhinged, <laughs> whatever you want to use. But um, I actually, my G.I. Joe journey um, started in a slightly different place. I moved to America when I was younger, and before I moved, um, I'm from Australia in case anyone didn't didn't get the accent. Um, before I moved, um, Action Man, the, the big 30-centimeter Action Man figures were mm -hmm. what was the main sort of action toy in Australia at the time and so we moved to America and on our way there um, one of our first stops was in Universal Studios mm -hmm. um, this is in the early to mid 80s mm -hmm. and in the gift shop in Universal Studios was a Cobra Rattler oh. and <laughs> I have Never seen anything like it before, and I have loved it ever since yeah. um, with a deep and disturbing passion. Mm -hmm. um, so as part of helping us getting over the trauma of moving to another country, my parents bought me that Cobra Rattler, and um, I've been a Cobra devotee ever since. Um, mm -hmm. So I went down the rabbit hole. I've accumulated a whole lot of Cobra. Um, nothing too surprising there. I've got nope. an army ready to go um, as soon as I get it on my painting table. Yeah. But my think thought process was, well, who's going to oppose Cobra? And don't get me wrong, I love the Joes. But mm -hmm. unlike you, I'm not sure I have the passion or skill to paint each of those individual G.I. Joes. Um, so I thought, well, the other force in G.I. Joe is... The Russians and Red October. Mm -hmm. So, I thought they would make a good opposition for Cobra. Brilliant. And so yeah. I've been slowly pulling together stuff to do a Red October force. Mm -hmm. um, I was lucky enough to pick up some sort of uh, minis for the key characters, um, uh, particularly Colonel Brekoff, mm -hmm. Diane. Um, the female sniper, mm -hmm. horror, horror show, the, the RPG guy, um, Scourge and um, Stormovic. Yeah. Um, so got those. They make you know good leaders. But I thought, how am I going to do the broader bunch of generic troops I need? So I figured they're the equivalent of Russian Soviet special forces, and mm -hmm. most likely to be therefore operating with other russian special forces so mm -hmm. um got a bunch of soviet cold war paratroopers awesome um from a company called badger games mm -hmm. who in the u.s who sell a line by mongol miniatures which is called a 1980 vdv airborne nice. so these are the guys with the beret blue light blue beret hats um uh, and they make up a lot of the force, but I've also got from Eureka Games some mechanized Soviet infantry and boonie hats. Brilliant. And they look very much like the Afghan Spetsnats. Mm -hmm. So the floppy hats, got, got to do the uniforms. And I also picked up, while I was there, some Eureka Soviet 
figures in um, NBC suits, which I'll use for engineers. Perfect. Um, so uh, that that makes a nice good core force of infantry. Um, because I've got paratroopers, I've printed off um, two BMD-2 armoured fighting vehicles, mm-hmm. which are the paratroop version of the armoured fighting vehicle. Um, easy enough to do. They've just got an auto cannon. I'll ignore the missile on top. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, there's a couple of sources on Thingiverse. And so mm-hmm. on Thingiverse, you can get from a maker called Jabberwock. Yes. Um, some uh i guess homage type vehicles so Mm -hmm. there's a scout car which for those of you who are into early gi joe specifically issues six and seven yes um you might remember the scout car which is a jeep type thing with a uh machine guns on the back Mm -hmm. and um, there's also a btr apc which is again um, from the comics, as so it's from a special missions issue called Snowblind. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing is, it's got a um, skis instead of front wheels, so I, I may have to uh, do mine up in snow like yours. But um, yeah, there's certainly more than enough there to put together either an army for a proxy army for something like Bolt Action, or my more recent plan is to try and slip some figures into um, some games of uh, Spectre miniatures. If if I may give you some good news there, Pete. Um, the I was so I own the the little open topped uh, armored car that you mentioned early on, uh, but the newest one that he put out the uh, the armored vehicle the BTR eighty APC from the Snowblind issue. <clears throat> if you print it, it it does have skis for the front. Uh, but it comes with alternate wheels to replace the skis, so you don't have to run it with skis. Outstanding! Best news I've had all day. Yeah, it's the third picture in the footnotes. And when I, because I was looking at having one of these printed, I was looking at it carefully, thinking, you know, which one do I get printed, and how do I get it printed? Um, so yeah, brilliant. Uh, but they also, of course, Jabberwock also makes the hind to match. Um, yes. So I have the armored. I have the little scout car and the hind, uh, but I don't have the the BTR eighty. So, yeah, very cool, right? Yep, no, super cool. And uh, I've gone the one forty eighth model route for the hind just because I happen to have one. Mm-hmm. But um, that Jabberwock one is very nice too. Oh man, it would be brilliant in one forty eight scale. It just awesome. I go for the smaller scale so I can put them on stands, and it's like they're they're high up, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you want to have a hind on the tabletop as an objective or, you know, perfect. Yep. Um, now, we do have rules for Soviets in bolt action, obviously. Uh, we also have a unit entry for Soviet paratroopers, which up until Warlord recently did the models was, I think, one of the most unseen armies in bolt action that I've, that exists in the game. Um, but we also have soviet assault engineer rules so are were you planning on using those entries to represent the troops that you were talking about because you were saying that they were more um you know special forces and those are all veteran units um is that how you were sort of envisioning putting them on the tabletop 
Yeah, all of the above. Um, you've got the paratrooper rules for the VDV. Um, you've got the scout rules for the Spetsnaz. And you've got engineer rules for the guys in the MBC suits. Um, I mean, there's not they don't have the fire and move rule like um, the US, but uh, I'll probably equip, um, to the extent I can, most of them with SMGs. I think that's a reasonable representation of AK-47s, which were more spray and prey type weapons rather exactly. than long-range fire. Yeah. So I think... Um, and SMG is a good enough representation of that, and uh, yeah. I think that'll work, I reckon. Yeah, plus they're really iconic. People know what, if you say the AK-47 is an SMG, it's. I think that will be almost no mental jump for any player to go, oh yeah, of course, that's what that is. Um, yeah, I think that's that fits perfectly. And as excited as I am about what you're saying, um, that's not me licking my lips in the background, if you can hear that in the <laughs> audience, guys. Um, my dog just finished his breakfast and he's sitting on my knee. Um, so <laughs> sorry about that, Pete. That, I'm sure that sounded weird. Um, <clears throat> shall we uh, move on? Um, were you looking at using the hind as, um, if you were calling in an air observer, for example, as that? Or were you looking at it for more as an objective or just hashtag to have uh yes to both i mean one of the most famous issues of gi joe i think it's the yearbook one is yes. the um crashed hind and the recovery of the mm -hmm. stolen laser weapon spoilers yes. for those of you who haven't read a 30 year old comic <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but also just as an airstrike marker i mean it's going to be cool hovering over the table and i've gone with 148 because being a helicopter it'll be relatively low so basically it's just there to take pictures of while it's on the table for 20 seconds yeah exactly right um and look uh not to circle back to um to your G.I. Joe origin story, but I recently finished my, uh, I don't even know what scale it is because I do, it is smaller um, than it would be if I was printing it at, at one for 156 um, because I put it up on a stand, but it's still massive. Um, yep. I have a Cobra Rattler, just finished it. And uh, it is literally, people are like, what are you using that for? Because it, it looks like an A10 for those of you who aren't familiar what a, with what a rattler looks like the the warthog the famous american tank busting plane um with a massive gatling gun under the chin and it's festooned with rockets under the wings and people are like what the hell are you going to use that for in bolt action it's going to appear for about 10 seconds on the tabletop as you said as the marker for my air strike but i still have it it's still there and god i get to say i have a cobra rattler N like nothing in the world is better than that and i'm sure a hind is literally the same experience like why the hell not? Awesome, right? Yeah, and I'm extremely jealous of your Cobra Rattler. You've done an outstanding job on it, and I would love to see it on the table, just even for only five seconds. Right? Uh, and that's one of those, and that that was one of the big labors of love of my G.I. Joe thing, because as a, ironically, my dad stepped on my Rattler when I was a kid, um, because I, you know, I, I was a, latch, a latchkey kid, and I set up these massive G.I. Joe fights uh in my parents living room um because they were always at work and you know no one used the living room because it was boston and cold and i 
thought it was a great idea to set up in there to have these big battles. And my dad walked in to get something, get a book off the shelf for work. And, you know, being a kid, I'd left my toys all over the floor. He didn't do it intentionally. And I know he feels really bad about it to this day, but that was one of my favorite toys. And he accidentally stepped on it and it was out of production at that point. So it wasn't like he could just get another one. Um, and so the wings on my Rattler at home are all messed up. Um, which, you know, as they fold up for a VTOL and they have all those rockets and then all the rocket pins were bent and, you know, he felt really bad. And so when I got my, I was like, one of the first things I got printed was the Rattler. And I was like, I'm going to get my Rattler back. Yes. Cool. No problem. And I, I went to build it and the wings were warped. And then in trying to bend them back, they broke. And so I was like, this is actually too poetic for words. I have two rattlers with broken wings. What the hell? Um, so I actually rebuilt the wings out of layers of plasticard and shaving them to get, you know, it, it was a pain. But God damn it, I have a rattler. So yeah, happy me. Um, anyway, let's let's move. I'm sorry, I, I tangented there hard. Um, that sounds like a really cool bolt action army. I'm really excited to see your uh, October Guard. Uh, yeah, yeah, they. I think I think it'll work out well. I mean, you can find roles for the special characters as well. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Diana's a sniper. Um, Horus um then is a little harder, um, but he will be one of those uh, anti tank teams with mm -hmm. the Panzer Faust. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, if I can find a Dragovsky mini miniature, who's the flamethrower guy, yes. I will have a flamethrower as well. So I've just got to figure out how to find something I can convert to that because he wears a somewhat unique kit and I haven't found anything yet, but I keep yeah. looking. If anyone knows any, please feel free to drop me a line. Yeah, I'm having the same problems finding a blowtorch and or charbroiled. Like that, whoever designed the G.I. Joe toys, like everything's great for most. I mean, there's some weird characters, especially later in the run. And as they get later and later, they're all weird. But <laughs> Blowtorch is relatively early in the piece. I think he's 1984, 1985. Um, and it's like, I'm going to have a yellow trooper with red armor plates. And you look at it going, how the hell am I going to make that model? Like there's just nothing. So I think there's an, I've, I've been looking forever. I think you just have to green stuff it which is going to be painful. Maybe I can commission someone. But Sturmovic, uh, sorry, Sturmovic? Is that his name? Drogovsky. Uh, Dr Drogovsky, sorry. The, I get confused with the October Guard. He's the same way. I've looked at him going, yeah, no idea. So, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> we'll get there. Well, I'm sure we'll the, get there. I mean, the way things are going in um, 3D design, um, mm -hmm. just wait long enough and someone will do it. Uh, so that's my great hope. Uh, and I'm sure people are going to mention Hero Forge. Yes, I have seen a couple of Hero Forge models that work well for some Joes, uh, Blowtorch in particular, uh, but I haven't pulled the trigger on that yet. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, now, there. speaking of 3D printing in G.I. Joes, um, we often get asked where we're getting our models from for some of these. Um, now, there are a few YouTube clips associated with Cast Ice where I talk specifically about how I get models on the tabletop for GI Joe. And I have some other guests on who talked about how they've done it. Um, that I would recommend checking those out. If you're looking for um, all sorts of GI Joe and Cobra vehicles and troop types, 
Um, but if you're looking for the short answer, um, if you're looking for um, snow serpents or cobra eels, which are their frogmen, uh, uh, Footsore North America makes fantastic models. Uh, and they recently put out uh, communication specialists to go with the snow serpents, so televipers, and there's characters, and um, they also put out another range that you can either use as Cobra Troopers in Arctic gear or as Ice Vipers. So if you're looking to do a cold weather Cobra army, uh, Footsore North America, their pulp range is perfect. Or if you want to do an all eel um, army as in all wetsuits, uh, Frogmen, which I'm very tempted, very tempted by. Uh, you can do that too. They are great models. I own them. They are fantastic. Um, highly recommend. Um, but Pete, there's there's a newcomer if you're looking for generic Cobra Troopers, right? Uh, in the 3D printing realm. Yeah, uh, if you if you uh, able to either get someone a 3D print for you or you have a 3D printer, there's a company called Game God who are putting out some. Um, cobra-like figures under a range called black iron and they've got about half a dozen maybe a few more than that figures in the range at the moment mm -hmm. um, including a commander of cobras type figure and um, a, a bunch of trooper figures including a couple of heavy weapons which is really good um, so they've got rpgs and they've got a trooper with a sort of like gatling type gun so um, you can not only get some basic troopers, but also some support weapons as well from that range. So even though I've got a busload of Cobra troopers of every of every type, <laughs> yep. um, I have picked up these guys as well. They will just something slightly different, help flesh things out a little bit and um, uh, make the army that little bit more interesting. Hey brother, I hear you. I'm... Oh, I'm tempted to get more, but as you say, I might already have a truckload. Um, yeah. Actually, while we're talking 3D printing, mm -hmm. um, just mention, I already mentioned Jabberwock, who not only does some um, interesting Red October adjacent stuff, but um, as you mentioned, does some G.I. Joe homage stuff as well. But um, while you're delving into Thingiverse, um, also check out, uh, your good friend, Brad, Dr. Mercury. Oh, yeah. I was about got, to mention. I'm glad you did. Yep. I got a couple of files up there, not only a couple of vehicles, and but conversion bits as well yeah. to allow you to do some of the more obscure and weird um, Joe, particularly Cobra figures. What do you mean, Night Creepers? What are you talking about? <laughs> Saw Vipers? I was thinking, yeah. I was thinking Toxic Vipers, but yeah. okay. Yeah, exactly. And a conversion kit to make a Toxic Hiss if you want to have yep. the Hiss tank with the giant, you know, is it the, yep. the, the hose of toxicity on top. Yeah. So good. And yeah. The other good thing about Dr. Mercury, as well as what he's put up for free on Thingiverse, mm -hmm. I'd point you to go and check out his drive through RPG store as well. Yes. Um, where he's got a... A number of, I guess, larger vehicles mm -hmm. um, as well, um, including some of the stuff for Destro, mm -hmm. uh, Iron Grenaders, and yep. interestingly for October Guard, he does a lead bed hovercraft as well, which print in one fifty six, which kind of blows my mind. It's but, huge. Um, 
<laughs> I've downloaded the file. I'm just I'm going to need to stockpile some filaments. I think before yeah. I start printing that. And and this coming from the guy who printed me the sand crawler from Star Wars. It's yeah, <laughs> that that hovercraft. I've seen pictures of it in you know compared to his other stuff, and you look at it, and go, that's ridiculous. It's yeah, that's more terrain than it is a vehicle. But yeah, awesome, yep. right? Um, yeah. Yeah, but he also does, for those of you who have 80 Inkling, uh, if, through his drive-through RPG page, uh, he does do a 156 scale print file for the Thundercats Thunder Tank, um, which, you know, I'm, I will own at some point. At some point. So, <laughs> I will. I just, it's going to happen, um, which ties nicely with the Crooked Dice Thundercat range. Um, yep. which is awesome. Anyway, uh, Pete, y- you mentioned you've also been working on some bolt action stuff. Um, what have you been working on? Because I know you've been working on Japanese paratroopers. Are those the company B ones? Uh, yes, they are. They're the, um, company, the SNLF paratroopers. So company B does both army yes. and, um, special naval landing force paratroopers. Mm-hmm. So, um, working on the SNLF ones at the moment, which is a bit of an interesting army because they were, I'm doing them as early war. Um, they mainly fought in the uh, Indonesia campaign. In fact, pretty much that's the only place they fought. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being early war, I haven't got any sort of suicide guys. Exactly. So uh, it should be an interesting army to try. They're mm-hmm. all veterans. They're obviously all fanatic. Um, and I've, thrown in quite a few light mortars to give me some bang yeah. um, and hopefully suppress armored vehicles because I've got nothing else to stop them. <laughs> exactly, <with. laughs> right? Oh, man. And that's one of those things. Um, now, I own, I also own a Japanese paratrooper army, but I have the army version. So uh, I, I look forward to perhaps someday playing side by side with you uh, against uh, some other people where we have the, the two flavors of paratroopers using, of course, the same entry in the book, but they are different looking models. Um, but yeah, uh, they do. I mean, they do make lunge mines in that range. But as you say, they didn't use them uh, in, in the conflicts that you're discussing. So, yeah. Mortars might be your friend. Um, get get yep. some of those pins on. I know that light mortars are only D2, but, man, bolt action happens. If you can get a pin or two on and force someone to fail a check, it goes a long way. Yeah. Well, you know, doing some research, they did actually drop with a number of light mortars, not mm-hmm. just, you know, one per squad. So yeah. I've um, used the entry for the Japanese mortar knee mortar mm-hmm. platoon squad platoon um uh so i've got at least one um squad of them with uh additional knee mortars as well so nice. um, i'm hoping to throw out um, quite a few pins um with any luck i'll get them done for cancon 2022 which they've just announced is going ahead so that was my next question uh now you are no longer the to for cancon uh, so that's gotta be interesting for you. Uh, I'm sure there's some, some feelings, um, somewhere along that. And I know you didn't run it in 2019, the last time it ran, uh, but 2020 obviously didn't happen. Um, of course I'm talking, I, I, I know I'm probably getting the years here mixed up because we always think of CanCon falling on the year, even though it's in January the following year. 
Um, but for you, going to next year's CanCon, you are definitely going. You're going to be playing uh, Bolt Action, and you're thinking about paratroopers? I'm definitely intending on going. Nice. <laughs> I haven't consulted with my wife or work on either of those things yet. <laughs> see how that pans out. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah. I'm definitely intending on going, and so it'll be my first time actually playing in Bolt Action at CanCon as opposed to running Bolt Action at CanCon. Oh, so I'll be yeah. interested to see um what guys are doing the it's really good the community here and the guys who have sort of stepped up to run events have taken things in a different direction which is part of the reason that i handed it over so that you know different people and different styles could get a bit of a run yeah um so you know for chilcon which is the a smaller version a co- smaller covid safe version of wintercon mm-hmm. um that will be happening in july um they've run a really interesting format with you've got to come up with three lists two 250 point lists and one one 500 point list and so they run through over over the course of two days there's um a 500 750,000 and 1250 point games oh that's awesome and you've got to combine the lists to make up each of those um obviously point levels um but yeah it's really interesting trying to come up with lists within those constraints because you can't once you you can only mix and match the lists themselves not the Mm -hmm. units within the lists so yeah i'm trying to work out exactly what i'm going to take for that i think it'll be marines and so i've ordered a couple of extra figures to just build out and make those lists but Mm -hmm. yeah no it's a really interesting format and i'm looking forward to doing something different oh that's wild i mean you really that kind of takes list building and throws it out the window and really forces you to go back to the the old drawing board, right? Yeah, no, I found it really hard, actually, and in part because, you, you know me, I'm, I generally like to run two platoons, masses mm-hmm. of um, uh, low-quality troops, but you really can't do that in that structure because, I mean, it works well at 500, at 500 points, but it doesn't work well at um, 1250. Yeah. So, And how you combine those lists, and with each one having to be standalone is... Um, it's tough, so that's why I've gone back to Marines, which are actually my um, first bolt-action army, and I'm just freshening them up and adding a few extra figures. That's awesome, man. It's also great to take those old projects and, as you say, freshen them up a bit and give them give them a new life. Um, my my Japanese and Chinese armies are not, you know, old per se, uh, but I've been playing those forces for a long time. But it was great to to sit down and play a game with them recently, and it really caused me to sort of raise an eyebrow and look at some of the other half-painted, assembled Chinese and Japanese units I have in the cupboard and going, ah, maybe this will be fun to take out and play again. Um, but it, it really does, you know, it's it, you get that nice hit of nostalgia, right? Of like, oh, I had fun playing with this army before. But then also you're like, oh, I could do something different with this. Um, and especially since the, those weird point breaks, I mean, that's really going to open up some cool opportunities, right? Yeah, and it was a chance to go out and add a couple of new figures that have been um, created since I last mm-hmm. built this army what, five, six years ago. So um, Brigade Games has, in the interim, put out a couple of packs of Marine Raider figures. And, nice. Um, they've got some interesting weapons. So they've got the Marine-specific, I think it's Risling machine gun. Yeah. Um, so I've ordered a couple of packs of those guys and some crews and some weapons, so I'm going to... Um, take a 
recoilless rifle rather than a light howitzer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, you know, good chance to add in a few interesting figures that weren't available at the time. Oh, that's so cool, man. That is so cool. Well, I, uh, I look forward to hearing how that goes. Um, what size of event is it? Because you're saying it is scaled down. It's not your, I mean, WinterCon has always been a step down from CanCon size-wise. Um, CanCon's always been the big show. Um, so if, if, if ChillCon is a step down from WinterCon, do you know what kind of numbers they're expecting slash hoping slash planning for? Uh, yeah, pretty small. It's, it's one of the, it's being held at a leagues club. I think there's four games on offer. Mm-hmm. So three ancient and bolt action. And I think we're capped at 20 if memory serves correctly. Yeah, still 20 is a good number if you're going to have a nice field and play a series of games, right? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's the biggest event I've been to in <laughs> two years. So. Exactly, right? <laughs> Yeah, having played uh, in the Tank War event recently where we had 10 plus the two TOs that ended up playing in a couple games, you know, 12 players. It was looking around going, wow, this is a lot of people playing bolt action in one place. Um, And just to think, oh, 20, that's a good number. Um, But yeah, it's also intimate enough where you, I mean, you probably know most of the people in the quote unquote scene anyway, um, being the TO forever. But also, you know, it, it would be, it gives you the opportunity to, to get to know you know, to hang out with people you, you maybe haven't seen in a while and, uh, yeah, just reconnect. Yeah. It's, I mean, the scene here is, um, interesting. So a lot of the, I guess the older players, not least of all myself, who sort of started out in bolt action and did a lot of the CanCon events have moved on, which is one of the reasons I'm looking for other games to follow them into other things. Yeah. But, um, there's a good, I guess, new crowd of people coming through. So, I would reckon I will probably know less than a quarter of the people coming to Chilcon. Oh, so, wow. It's interesting. And it'll be, it'll be great to meet new people, as I say, with new ideas and new ways of approaching things. So exactly. looking forward to it. Nice, nice. So um, after Chilcon, uh, the main thing uh, I've got um, going is uh, working some more on um, Spectre, Spectre Modern Wargame rules. I've nice. mentioned them a couple of times. but. Yeah. I've been looking at getting into moderns for a while and I've picked up figures here and there, but I thought I would um, try put put together some armies and see what sort of local games I could get. And Spectre, as I know you know, Brad, is probably the bolt action equivalent in modern warfare. It's certainly probably one of the biggest modern games that seems to have a lot of players at the moment. It is, and yeah. So I've picked up those rules and I'm painting up some african militia and some um private military contractors to dip my toe into moderns Mm -hmm. um and i've also because as you mentioned you know i'm not the sort of person to get distracted by a new game um, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. (laughs) what are you talking about (laughs) i've also uh picked up a bunch of um pla so chinese modern troops um you know and I, I, I know there are a couple of players locally who have Australian forces so and US forces, so maybe doing some South China Sea-type um, special forces raids and actions would be something good. Brilliant. Um, so I've got that on the go, and my last ulterior motive is I'm hoping that if I can get, in, if I can get a Spectre scene going or get some games going, 
I might be able to sneak in some, you know, generic global terrorists bent on world domination who happen to wear blue uniforms. Uh, and the but, and the proper COVID masking. True. Yeah. And the pro- exactly. <laughs> right. It's all about. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I picked up Spectre as well. Um, I have yet to play it. Uh, it's one of those things I picked up in COVID lockdown and looked at very, very seriously. There's a lot of great YouTube battle reports, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, man, we're going to have to have you back to talk about Spectre and I'm going to have to try and figure out how to play it in the meantime, but it looks really fun. Uh, and I, I don't know how excited I am about playing, you know, Middle Eastern conflicts, so to speak, but you can run all sorts of things. You can do, um, DEA drug raids, um, you know, versus cartel forces, uh, having just watched Narcos, that doesn't sound interesting to me at all. Uh, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of scope for that. Right. Um, and it just yeah, sounds it's, fun. It's a really great and flexible set of rules. And from what I can see, and basically you can, you know, any motivation, I mean, you can have terrorists, um, you can have private security. Um, so, uh, I picked up from tag a couple of, um, VIP miniatures mm-hmm. so that we've got someone to escort and protect. Um, so yeah, no, looking forward to that and, um, we'll have to see if we can actually coordinate a game of that at some point to, um, yeah. give it a try. Mate, I would love to be in the same, you know, ballpark as you. I, I know that a lot of people assume that we're in a very similar place and we occasionally catch up for games. Uh, I assure you folks, especially in the COVID era, Melbourne and Canberra might as well be on opposite sides of the planet. Uh, but I'm hoping that, uh, you know, either one of us will end up in the other cities for work or whatnot at some point, And then perhaps, uh, we can sit down and play some games of both bolt action GI Joe and, uh, maybe Spectre GI Joe. I think that sounds yep. fantastic. Um, my life, my wife loves Melbourne, so I just got to convince her to go and then find a way to sneak away for a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you might know a person who has all the armies, so all you have, both G.I. Joe and Cobra, so all you have to do is sneak off. You don't have to bring the uh, suspicious figure case and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to go do all the sightseeing and eat in all the great restaurants, and uh, yeah, I'm bringing this, this case of models with me for no reason whatsoever. That sounds good. Um, COVID vaccines aren't too far off, I hear, so hopefully we can we can make this real. Amen, brother. Amen to that. Um, well, I think on that note, uh, I think it may be our time to go. But, Pete, thank you so much. It, uh, it We haven't done an episode like this in a while where it's just two friends talking shop. And I, I know we've covered a lot of games today and maybe some niche topics, but uh, hopefully that if you're listening today that you've enjoyed this. Um, and you know, we, we do like doing this from time to time. And I have to thank the folks who, uh, recommended that I actually get a friend on and just talk shop. Um, and yes, Pete, you will be back soon. I hope for the major power miniatures and where to find them conversation. Yes. I've got a wonderful and exciting long list. So I recommend people start saving up because I got a lot of complaints (laughs) out of, uh, the last one that I'd cost people money. So, yep. (laughs) Hey, you jerk. I started my Italians after that podcast. Um, You'll notice I didn't mention that on that podcast. It's because five minutes after that podcast, I was digging through my cupboards, pulling out all my Italian models. (sighs) Welcome. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the next one will be worse. Um, So, and uh, and I get those same complaints. And uh, for those who complain, 
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please remember, Pete and I are the biggest victims of our own uh, hobby conversations. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, when you hate us, just remember, we're victims too. Right, Pete? Oh, yeah, I definitely did not go out and buy a winter Russian army after our last discussion. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Uh, okay. Like Bulgarians. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, well, if you want to send us hate mail, please go to Facebook uh, and type Cast Dice, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. If you message the page, you are guaranteed a response. My name is Brad. Hi. I'm the only one who answers. Uh, and please remember, if you are expecting a timely response, I do live on the other side of the planet from a good two thirds of the listeners of this podcast. I will get to you. And usually I do it pretty quick. Uh, but on that note, Pete, thanks again for joining us. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on, especially when we get to talk about GI Joe, man. It's awesome. I don't get to talk about GI Joe nearly enough, but thank you, brother. It's a pleasure, Brad. And, uh, always happy to talk Joe. So, uh, just let me know when the next episode is and I will be there. Oh man. I, I feel like there's a knowing half the battle joke somewhere in there, but I I'm failing it. But <laughs> <sighs> on that note, uh, as our good buddy Casey always says, when you're playing the games that we know and love, I hope that your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold, but more than anything else, we at cast dice hope that you are having fun guys. Stay safe out there. Good night.